Oh my stars, here we are, and it is time for another podcast, I guess. I was just going to say a good girl's guide to podcast, but it's just a podcast, okay? So uh, I am so grateful that you were here. I hope that you have been enjoying um, however we've been connecting, whether you've been listening to the podcast up until now, if you have found me on other social media forms like TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, whatever. I just, I am so grateful that you were here, and um, this is Rachel Vote. <laughs> I am slightly flustered because I feel like one of the things that I'm still working towards in entrepreneurship is like consistency and not even consistency in terms of like a project level, like consistency and even just like how I introduce myself and even how I wrap up the podcast and making sure that I hit all of the important information pieces uh, about how we stay connected and all that stuff. So you were watching me evolve right before your eyes and I'm so grateful for you. Uh, so today's podcast friends, uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I know I, I say that a lot, but, um, I have been filming these intermittently, so I haven't even uploaded any of them yet, which has given me a really great space in terms of creating when I really feel like I'm in the creative flow, I guess. And, um, even though I have a whole list of like, literally I had 52 topics of podcast things I could be talking about. I just, I only really feel moved to film them when I feel moved to film them. And that's kind of how I'm trying to operate my business these days. So this is going to be a good one, I hope, today. Okay? So if you are new, hello and welcome. You're probably not if you are finding me because um, I'm very random. I'm very random. But somebody probably introduced us or if you had recently met me and you wanted to learn a little bit more about what I do, then you're probably here. And most importantly, I have to tell you that the podcast itself would not be here, would not be coming back for a third season if I would not had have had some gentle pushes from outside of myself. I knew that it was like a creative force for me. Like my husband literally has asked me before, like, what does the podcast do? Does it like generate business for you? And that's that's his job for me is to really make sure that I am doing things that um, are contributing to the greater good of what I need to be doing and, and making sure that what I'm doing is not wasting time in the best way possible because I would give all of the cats in the neighborhood a house if my husband wasn't like, now, does it make sense for us to have all the cats in the neighborhood or maybe just feed them outside our house kind of thing, right? So I very much appreciate him. And um, where I was going with that was the fact that I was incredibly validated by having some other people reach out to me and ask me if I was going to be doing it again. So here we are. Uh, if you are new, the podcast is just kind of a, a drop in the bucket in terms of the free content that I provide to potential people who would like to either work with me or if you just are somebody who's struggle busting in life and you just need a creative outlet or you need some guidance or clarity or even just a little bit of love that you're on the right path and you deserve to have happiness. That, that, that's exactly what I really like to focus around. My strong suit is intimacy. So if you're somebody who is trying to liberate yourself amongst pleasure and uh, rewarded vulnerability, then you are in the right place. However, I also, uh, within the last three to five years, really expanded that idea. Not only is it important because intimacy is affected by everything that we do, our wealth, our relationships of other kinds, our mental and physical well-being, our spirituality, and our purpose and our passion. Uh, it just, everything in, in general in life is connected. You might be struggling with your libido if your finances aren't so great. So um, that is kind of why the podcast was given birth to and uh, me really promoting myself on social media because I had a really good solid foundation in business around intimacy and the opportunity to be a consultant in that field. Uh, but I love this. This is great. And so it really is validating to me when you let me know that you get something from the podcast or from following me on social media or have been to a party or whatever. So please keep that up. You really only help guide me in the direction of what people need from me most. I'll, I'll sit and talk on a podcast all day. I'll be on posting on social media all day long. But when I know what is most beneficial to people, then that's where I try to kind of gravitate towards. So continue uh, getting into my inbox. Continue letting me know what you felt was most valuable to you. That is incredibly helpful. So thank you so much. You have more power than you think when it comes to getting what you want when it comes to content from Rachel. So thank you so much. So, uh, and there's a link someplace, right? Link tree, like find me through all of the other methods or whatever. Okay. Um, make sure to share this or make sure that you you give it a little bit of love again because it is a completely free uh, podcast it's a free completely free platform that's just how that's how it works within this community okay so um the conversation i want to have today is kind of reflection of the the spiritual side of growth and then also kind of weaving in the correct consciousness around how to formulate your own reality okay we've talked about this on like different podcasts and different types of methods and different types of genres and different types of even conversation. Uh, and today what I wanted to talk about was 
kind of twofold because somebody reached out to me. So here's how this originated, I guess. Right. So somebody reached out to me and asked me if I'd ever heard of manifestation through orgasm. And it was via TikTok. They're like, have you ever heard of this? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I have. So if you're not feeling, uh, well, and we'll come back to that. We're going to circle all the way back to you. What? I can manifest my life through orgasm. Yes, you can. At least I believe you can. That's a personal belief of my own. And it's a pretty fun one, so why not, right? So if you're not familiar with manifestation in general, we were going to have to like really kind of scale that back a little bit. And manifestation is really the practice of understanding that thoughts become things. So you yourself are in complete control of creating your reality. And if you have not taken my empowerment class that I created a few years ago, this is really the basis of that class. Like I don't use words like manifestation. I don't even use a lot of woo woo talk because not everybody's ready for that. And what I have found in development is that a lot of people are very earthbound. They're very much in like in this reality. I need to know the tips and the tricks, the actionable results to make me successful. And that's true because you have to play the game. But when I stepped into the realm of spirituality, it was a little bit of relief for me because it was answers to questions I couldn't get from science, but it was also a whole nother world in terms of belief. And, um, and if you've, I, mean, I guess where with that, if you've ever just kind of felt like something was missing, even if you are somebody who you're very successful in life, but you kind of just feel like something's missing, it could be the spiritual aspect of things. And so like a short version of this, I want to tell you is because I spent a good, probably two, two and a half years deep in the world of spiritual thinking. And it was again, a very large tool for me because it provided a lot of relief. It provided a lot of I would, I don't want to say clarity per se, because that comes from self and that comes from, you know, your, your divine knowing about who you want to be and asking the right, right questions and doing the really hard work. But it, I have said this before, so I guess this is probably the best way for me to describe this is that I didn't come from a household where we talked about organized religion. There was no conversation about God growing up. And so that was kind of a blessing and a curse because it was a blessing that I was really able to formulate all of my own ideas around what I believed in when it came to something like that. But it was also a detriment to me because having had no guidance whatsoever, uh, you still digest what's being told to you or shown to you in your cultural setting. So I had like my best friend growing up was Catholic. So the fact that they went to church every Sunday and it was a very long mass, that still influenced me. It didn't necessarily change my thinking, but it influenced me. And it influenced me in ways that made me dislike religion. Like my friend had to go every Sunday morning to this really long mass. And I went one time, one time, and I tried not to fall asleep. So I never went back. And it wasn't I wasn't trying to fall asleep because it was like boring information. It was because it was a Sunday morning and I didn't want to be there. Okay. So, um, that's the blessing and the curse of it is that you, the blessing being that I get to, again, decide what I want to for myself. But the, the curse being that I still had ideas and notions about God, even though I had never been to church in my life, I was living in a mental state of dichotomy, dichotomy, sorry, where it was like, Heaven and earth, are those really things? Is hell a real place? Will you really be punished for the rest of your life? And having this fear that if I'm a bad person, I'll be punished for eternity. Those were thoughts that were instilled upon me, even though I'd never been to church. So uh, going through spiritual development was like this aha moment where it was just like I was hit upside the head with like a ton of bricks. And we could talk about that in a whole nother podcast, but I also have to tell you that standing on this side of development a couple of years later, it is slightly dangerous because what I had found, at least for myself, is that I was out seeking answers to things that um, it was just like not things that you could really get your answers from in the science side of things. Uh, for me, at least, you know, and so when you start to discover a larger thing, whether you call that thing God, you call it Allah, you call it Jesus, you call it the universe, whatever you call it, you know, it is this thing that has so many unexplained questions and so many unexplained entities and so many explained events that we are literally just now trying to starting to scratch the surface when it comes to explaining these things through quantum physics or into science-based realms or anything that is like tangible proof of these things. And so the reason that was a slippery slope for me is because what I was explaining to my friend this morning who asked me about this is that when you seek religion or a higher power or something to that effect you really got to be clear with yourself and you might not realize that if this is your intentions going into it versus like on the other side of it after you've gone through is are you really looking for answers or are you looking for somebody to save you 
Okay, so here's what I mean by that. Like, if you are getting into the realm of manifestation, and manifestation is, like, literally thoughts become things. If I think this thing, I'm going to have it. If I think I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich. If I think I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to be healthy. If I think I'm going to be in a successful relationship, I'm going to be in a successful relationship. All you got to do is think about it, and that's what manifestation is. So when you look into the spiritual realm of things, it's almost as if, at least for me, what it became was something outside of me still solving my problem, okay? So whether that is that you discover psychic mediums and you're like, oh my gosh, I really wish I was a psychic medium. I wish that my spirit guides were out there telling me what to do. Whether it's that you become like a tarot card reader and every day you pull a card because you want to be guided by what's going to be happening for you or you want to have an expectation of what's supposed to be happening to you that day, that week, that month, that season, whatever. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But what I ultimately found for self is that this was about finding comfort. It was about finding comfort in the unknown. And so I was still looking to a larger source to save me. Um, I still don't call it God per se. Um, I think that God and the universe to me are the same thing in terms of what other people are referring to. It's something that you cannot see. It's something that is bigger than you. It is something that you do not have all the explanations for and we probably never will. But it's odd because it's like there's always, at least for me, again, for somebody who does not have organized religion in their history, there was always this innate knowing within that there was something bigger, that there is something that you can't explain. And and for me, as I went through spiritual development, it also became this understanding of that you've known this place before. All right. So like on a woo-woo side of things, we'll just interject this real quick because it might help uh, explain my story a little bit. But through my development, what I have come to believe, to come to believe. So this is like literally I'm telling you at year 37 of my life, I created this belief system for myself. It was influenced by the things that I read and the things that I heard and the other people that I've watched. But I didn't believe these things as a kid because I didn't know that I could. Okay. So uh, what I believe is that this human form, this thing that you can see right here right now, is a skin suit, right? It is the thing that literally carries me throughout life. It never stays the same. You probably have heard that before. Every seven years, your body has completely regenerated itself. But you know that to be true because if you look at a baby to a toddler to a teenager, it's not the same body, even though it's the same body, right? But it just is evolutionarily growing and repairing itself and replacing itself. So it's just a skin suit. The thing that is authentically true about you that never, ever ever, 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 ever changes while you are living this full life is your energy. And you can call it your soul if you want. It's to me, they're synonymous, um, but it may be different for you, but it is right. Because when we pass away, the skin suit stays here. And when I started to have a small existential crisis about understanding self, it was this realization of the fact that your brain doesn't go with you either. Like I was like, duh, I knew that. I, I knew that the organs stayed inside my skull while I stayed here on planet earth, even after the body was done doing what it needed to do. But it was a thought um, that really kind of was like, oh my gosh, well, if the brain stays here and the function stays here, what is really driving this show, right? So when I pass away, what's the one thing that's now gone per se? My life force. It's my energy, right? And if you are new to energy, like it is an actual fact that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It always just changes its form. So that means that the literal powerhouse that's keeping this heart beating, and you know that you get fuel, right? Like you eat food, you drink water, and that fuels the body. But it is not the powerhouse. It's not the electricity that makes this thing go. It's not this, the thing that makes this thing conscious. It's not this thing, the thing that makes this thing have thoughts, that has personality, that has values. That is your energy, your energy. And it is the thing that is the most constant about you your entire life. And so the reason I share that with you is because my woo-woo side thinks and believes that before I got here, this energy was someplace else because it had to be, right? And if it was existing in some way, shape, or form in another dimension or another body or another object here on earth, that's reincarnation, sure, okay? But what I believe is that we all came from some higher energetic being. So it's kind of like you have like a pyramid almost, okay? So you have at the very top, you're going to have universe or God, whatever you call it, right? And then below that, uh, you have archangels. You don't have to believe in this if you don't want to. That's totally okay. But I'm just giving you the thing that makes sense to me. And archangels are what help the universe or God, however you refer to that. We don't ever see archangels directly. They are energy sources that are vibrating at a higher frequency than our human eyes can see. Animals might. Okay, if you know humans, you know that we can only see a very small spectrum of light in existence, small spectrum of light. Think about when you see um, the heat waves on a street in the middle of the summertime. You can see 
that happening, right? We call it an illusion, but it's really something happening. And what it is, is that it's heat waves. It's waves that we can't really see. We can see the movement with our eyes, but we're not actually seeing the actual rays, I guess, as you would say, the rays of that light. So when we really consider that, that's, that's impactful, at least for me, because it proves to us that there's so much out there that we do not see. I'm going to give you another example. How about like when you are in a room or um, near a room, whatever, that there's a little bit of light coming in through a window. Okay. And so it gives you like this little sliver of that light. And within that light, you see particles floating around everywhere. Like they might be dust, they might be dander, who knows what it it might, skin cells, okay? It's like everything just kind of floating around in that dust. And it's kind of gross when you think about it from that perspective, right? But to think about the fact that we walk through, we're not paying attention to that until we see it in that sliver of light, but we're walking through walls and walls and walls of particles like that all day, every day. And it's just something we don't see with the naked eye. So it really opened up my brain to thinking about how much don't I see? How much can I not see? How much can, it's, it's not a limit of me and my belief. It's a limitation of the eyeballs. That's all that it is. The eyeballs, because it's not, it's just, it's just a part of the meat suit, right? It's an extension of how you touch and how you taste and how you smell. It's how you see. And some of us can't see anything at all, but we still exist, right? And it doesn't deter that the sun and the sky and the grass don't exist. They still exist, but people who don't have the ability to see just don't see them, right? So that was very eye-opening for me because when I started to understand there's so much out there that I probably will never know or never see or never understand. It opened up my heart to getting that. So this, this idea of tying back to archangels and being energy that you can't see or exist, we've all had moments where we felt like that was too weird to be a coincidence, right? That was just, that's too weird. You couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe it, right? That's angels. That's guides, in my opinion. And if you strip the word um, angel and guide away from it, what is it? It's just energy, Correct? It's just energy in a different form. We are the ones that give it the title of angel, okay? So there's these archangels out there, and they are the ones that kind of, you know, make stuff happen, and they, they do the things that they need to for God and the universe to make things happen, all right? Okay. But then beyond, right below your archangels are like us, us, like our energy, not our physical beings, our energy. And um, I've read enough, and of course this could be completely made up, but I've read enough that it's such a consistent message that this is my belief system. My belief system is, is that before we come to earth, we are sitting around with what we call our soul family. Your soul family are your best friends. They're your family members. They're your children in this life, by the way, in this life, these are your angel family. Okay. So y'all are sitting around as spirits and as beings. And when you're, when you're celestial, nothing bad happens. Okay. Good and bad things happen in earth and earthbound experiences, but, and this is another, another thing that got to me because this is a scientific fact that earth is the densest planet that we are aware of, that we are aware of. It is the densest planet, meaning that gravity is just killer here. Like we feel the heaviness that is real. That's not made up. That's not religious. That's real. And so, um, why, why I tell you that is because I, I mean, obviously I can't tell you what it feels like to be on another planet. I've never been. Uh, None of us have. There's never been a human being on another planet yet. There's been rovers and there's been explorations, but there's never been a human. So we don't really know what it feels like uh, to be on another planet. And you couldn't really because on another planet, you'd still be in a spacesuit, right? So you wouldn't know what it feels like. Would it be lighter? Would it be airier? Even if it was colder or the temperatures were different, how would it feel? How would the body feel to be on that planet? We don't know. Okay, so why am I telling you that? Because I'm telling you, that when we're in this experience, right, it's just, it's a game. It's a video game. That's what people refer to when they call it the matrix, like get out of the matrix because you're living in a video game. I like to refer to it as a video game because it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that somebody at some point would have created a video game being inspired by the game of life, like whether it was subconscious or conscious or they were delivered a message from the universe that, hey, it's the exact same thing. Somebody created a video game, and if you see how parallel it is to the way that we live our lives, then I mean, that's where it started to make sense for me. So before we come to earth to play this game, we are a part of our celestial bodies, our families. Okay. And your families, again, if you believe, believe in reincarnation, which I do, I believe this is a theory that's way out there. And I really haven't discussed it out loud uh, because theories are scary. Like I could be wrong. Yes. And it doesn't matter if I am wrong or right, but it's more about how people perceive your theory. Okay. So if you're somebody who believes in reincarnation, and you're kind of curious or nervous about like the universe and like, what is it? And God, you know, at one point, at one point we were something before we were human. 
Okay. And before we were this conscious form of humans, we were humanoid. So cave people, right? But before we were cave people, we broke off from other species. Uh, I just saw Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about the fact that uh, mushrooms and humans used to be the same. At some point we split off. I just hit the mic twice. Sorry. Uh, We split off. So it's not to say that we are mushrooms. It's to say that we have precursors in common with other plants and animals and things like that. And that's really, really cool because at some point there had to be the first conscious thing, the first conscious animal, the first conscious plant or the first conscious humanoid, whatever it was, there had to be one of them at one time it started off as far as we know, could could be other theories, the other theories, if you're into it or that aliens came to earth and then implanted consciousness into people. That's, that's another conversation for another day. That's not what I'm talking about today. Okay. So I believe that I believe in reincarnation. I believe that the universe is experiencing itself. And I believe that we go through every single life at some point. And that is the point of life is that we are here to experience it. And when I experienced it as patient one, right, it was probably a short life. I probably had no idea how to survive. I might have died from a common cold. I don't know. I don't know. But then when I died and came back as the second conscious form, I had knowledge from the first conscious form to take into my second life. Most importantly, I had a worldview from that person's point of view. And then when that second version died, the third person came around and I had not only more under my belt in terms of survival, but I'm now building upon my experiences of the universe. So the reason I say that is because, um, that was really woo woo. Okay. I know, but I believe that's part of the, that's, that's partially why the universe will never implode on itself is because there's always going to be a new baby born to have a new experience for the universe to experience itself. Okay. Um, now, and that's the point. That's the point is that like, if you feel jealous of comparing your life to somebody else's, it's funny. Cause like in my head, I go, well, don't be jealous of that mountain climber. You were, you were that mountain climber in a different life because time doesn't exist by the way. Cause if you're like, how does it, how is it even possible for Rachel to sit here and say that she is her now, but she thought she was me in a different life because time doesn't exist. That is another conversation for another day. But the truth of the matter is this. Nothing exists except for this moment here. This moment that I'm recording this doesn't even exist yet because you haven't, you, you're seeing it at a different time. But this moment that you're listening to me talk is the only thing that exists. By the time I'm done speaking, it's already passed, right? And we know that the future is not here yet, so it does not exist yet. The past does not exist. Did it happen? Yes, but does it exist? No longer. No longer. So that is how you can actually be more than one of, not you, okay, but you, oh my gosh, I'm I'm about to go too far. I was going to say, yes, you could be existing on a different plane in a different dimension. That's a completely different story for another day as well. But what I'm talking about is our dimension, our timeline, where we are right now. So the reason why I can be me, but I could have been you is because there is no past and there is no future. It's just all happening at once, okay? So if you're like, I don't know. Okay, that was me too for like two and a half months trying to figure out time, but you just gonna have to stick with me on that. So back to the soul family, right? Your soul family is like a subsection of culture. Like I have my soul family, you have your own soul family. Um, somebody who I'll meet tomorrow has their also own soul family because they're not within my soul family. My soul family, again, it goes to me, it goes universe, archangels, and then your own entities, your own energies, your own family. Okay. So I don't think that you're, it's always necessarily your mom and your dad who are a part of your soul family. These are like your besties. This is like probably your partner by the way. Um, but it might be different in every life. I just don't think that in this lifetime, I think that like my husband and I think there's like two or three of my best friends. And I definitely think my children are my soul family. And then in another lifetime, we probably don't have a dynamic. It could very well be in a different lifetime that I am Tony's mother. And a lifetime after that, it could be that he is my sister. Because we just go through these dichotomies and these dynamics and these lifestyles. We choose that. We sit up as the soul family because in soul family land, <laughs> in soul family land, which you might consider heaven, There is no good. There is no bad. It just is. Okay. Because you're not living in your meat suit body on earth where it's dense. You're living as an energy being. And if you're living as an energy being, it's not good or bad or neutral. It just is. And so the woo woo of the things that I have heard repeatedly is that when you are celestial, you get bored because there is no dichotomy of good and bad. That is an earthbound thing. There is no dichotomy of bad feelings or good feelings because it's not earthbound. So you get everything you want when you're in your celestial being with your soul family, when you're hanging out, okay? You get everything you want because that's just the way that it is. 
Okay. And so when you're sitting there, it would just be the same way as in human form. If you had all the money in the world, if you had uh, no job you had to go to, if you had no obligations or any bills to pay, you got to hear my heart when I tell you that that might sound like the dream job for a lot of us, but you would hate it. You would get bored immediately, okay? And I'm going to prove that to you because a lot of you already understand and know that I am, I like to call myself a part-time entrepreneur. I'm a full-time human being. And uh, sometimes this bites me in the ass because being a full-time human being means that other human beings are my top priority. Meaning that even though I identify as a human first, I have tied for second as being a mom and being a wife, right? So when you think about that, that's really difficult because, um, I don't put my entrepreneurship as like top one or two being an entrepreneur really isn't even third. Like I third is like being a traveler and being a good friend. Um, but the need and necessity to make money is the dichotomy that I run into here when we're talking about those. Okay. Um, but that's my point. Okay. Is that, um, as an example, we had a recent holiday. My youngest, if you did not know, I've been a full-time caregiver for 14 years. And so I'm just now kind of toe-stepping myself into being able to have the ability to even consider a business full-time. I'm not even there yet because my preschooler. Okay, so long story short, I'm still doing the full-time mom thing. I got to drop a kid off. I got to be at home to take a kid to the bus. I have to go pick up a kid from school and the other one comes home at 4.30. So realistically, if I wanted to be present for my family, I have two hours a day that I get to work on business. This is one of those. You're welcome. Okay, that's my point though, is that let's take, for example, when we were on a holiday break and my preschooler was out of work, school, sorry, for a week. She was out of school for a week. I love when my children are home from school and I love the fact that I get to be home with them. We have hot cocoa days and crafting days and days we watch Bluey all day long, whatever, whatever. Okay. We're doing family related things. Okay. Days one and two. Great. I love being able to sleep in, have nowhere to go, wear your pajamas all day. Day three and four, we've colored everything in the coloring book. We have painted, I don't know how many rainbows. (sighs) Day five and six. We're watching the birds eat out the window for what feels like the 48th hour in a row. Okay, so you see where I'm going with this, right? Like, even though I enjoy being a full-time human and I I wouldn't trade being a mommy for anything and the fact that I get to be present for my kids as well, but those are only small portions of my fulfillment and purpose and passion for being on planet Earth. As I've said repeatedly, as you know, we're here, right? The thing that really fulfills me aside from helping my own family, is watching other people gain skill sets to feel good about themselves or to just feel capable about themselves, to even just be able to relate to another human being on a human level, whatever it is. And so by day four and day five, I'm getting itchy. I'm getting kind of restless, right? Because I miss that. I miss the creative action, the creative forces, the creative flow that I receive when I get to be in this mindset. So you have to hear my heart when I tell you that just because you're so distracted by your full-time job or your nine-to-five or you're out making somebody else's dreams happen and not your own, you don't want to be catered to hand and foot. You just do not. You don't want somebody to be always taking care of your problems, uh, even though it feels like you do. Safety and security is what we're always searching for, but you will become bored. You will. And so that is exactly what happens to you as your angel self is that when you have everything you want, it's just like, what now? So when you are ready, when you are ready to begin a new adventure, you and your soul family, you sit down and you decide you're about to play a game. You're going to go to earth and you're going to play a game. Whether it is that now I'm the matriarch of a family and I bring in millions of dollars a year and my husband never works and we have three beautiful children. Ah, that's game number one. Game number two is where maybe I'm the I'm the husband and we don't get along so well in our relationship and we have to really fight to want to be with one another and discover what our skill set is and our strength with each other. And that's the massive lesson that I learned throughout that lifestyle is that how, how important marriage is. And maybe in another life, it's that I have a child who has um, special needs and whatever the lesson is behind that, be unconditional love or time and patience or acceptance of, of somebody in their full self, whatever it is. You sit down and you play that You play that game where you all create a soul contract. This is the role that I'm going to play. I'm player one. That's the role you're going to play. You're player two, player three, player four. How will we interact with each other? What are going to be the hurdles that we possess during this lifestyle or this lifetime? And what are we going to set a goal that we are really going to achieve in this lifestyle? So you sit down, you make these soul contracts. And as soon as you're ready to play the game and plug in your controller, something magical happens is that part of the game is that you choose to forget that you are a soul 
like a higher self, that you have the ability to have everything that you want. You give yourself the gift of amnesia because the game is less fun if you know that at the other end of it, you get everything that you want. The game is less challenging if you don't know that you have a skill set that you have to achieve. And I'm also going to say, by the way, that when you become aware of this or if it becomes your belief system, it doesn't make your life any easier. Just because I believe that I have a higher self, just because I believe that I have access to becoming a soul that, you know, resides in this really cool um, energetic state or whatever, that doesn't change that I signed up for this game, that I am Rachel Vote in this game. Game 37 or level 37 is where I'm at this year, right? So that's the fun of it, quote unquote. Like I see it like... Oh, I can imagine some of you feeling like this does not feel like a game and I am not having a good time. I know. <laughs> okay. I know. Remember, I have gone through uh, an actual existential crisis on social media in this lifetime. Okay. I get that. I have gone through mourning the fact that I really believed that my purpose in this lifetime was to be a coach or an entrepreneur and a big scale entrepreneur. But here we are 10 years of doing that and I'm very part-time, right? So, um, that's it. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the game that you're here to play. And, um, you, you decided that. All right. And why I like that by the way, is because for a lot of people, you might beat yourself up about where you are. And, and, and what that did for me was give me just awareness and understanding and even to be able to let myself off the hook a little bit. It's like, Oh, okay. I don't have to take this as seriously as I was because it's just a game. It is just a game. And why that's fun and freeing is because if you play your favorite video game, you know you have multiple lives. You know that you have bonus entry levels or uh, bonus levels, I guess I should say. You know that you have shortcuts. You know that you have things that will make your game easier. And that is not different than in a game of life. You just have to figure out what they are for the lifestyle, okay? So this actually kind of brings me, though, back to where we were coming from, right? Is because, like I had said, is that the discovery of knowing that you are a higher self or that you have this entity or this energy, that doesn't let you off the hook for actionable results in your lifestyle. It just starts to piece some of the puzzle to the questions that you might not have been able to answer before. So when we're looking at then incorporating these tools into your everyday life with manifestation and being spiritual and so on and so forth, um, uh, by the way, I will use this as an opportunity, by the way, that if you are not currently working your way through finding some form of meditation for yourself, you should. Because again, as we start to explore more of the woo-woo side in science, I don't remember what the actual title is. I'm going to say like somebody who studies brains so or neurologist maybe, but there's so many people that are on the internet talking about that that is like one of the most easy and efficient ways to get into really good headspace is meditation. So it can change your life, literally. Okay. And if you're not like a sit in a room and turn on some music and light some candles and cross your legs kind of person, please know that that is only one form of meditation. And that took me a few years to really understand. I thought that making massive change in my headspace was going to require the discipline to sit in a completely quiet room and shut my brain off. That is not what meditation is and that is not how it works, okay? If you were to just be silent for five, let's give it 10 seconds here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch my clock. 10 seconds. That was 10 seconds. All right. And it feels like a friggin' lifetime, right? Like, did you check your phone? You're like, did, are you, are you sure she didn't like exit out of this podcast? Are you sure that, um, I don't have a bill to pay? Are you sure I can't go to something? Did your brain like immediately just start running with the next thing that you had to do today or just implement some kind of thought for you? <gasps> well, it's your brain's job, by the way. That, that's the whole purpose of your mind is to think for you, okay? So understanding that you're never going to stop your thoughts. Like, that's not the goal of meditation, okay? Like, I really thought it was, but it's next to impossible. And some of you are better at it than others, but I am a mind wanderer. I li my, my brain moves faster, I know that, than the average person who processes 60,000 thoughts a day. That's the average person. I know I am more than that, okay? So the goal of meditation is not to shut the brain off. Off, it is to basically make it a companion of yours and to understand it. So when we can really grasp and understand brain's job is to produce thoughts, then we have to understand, but the reason I'm frustrated is because the majority of the thoughts I'm thinking are negative. They're not supportive. They're critical. They aren't encouraging. They are, um, who do you think you are kinds of thoughts. That's the discernment that you have to work towards understanding, okay? That was a very pivotal point in me when I first started uh, with an, a, an in-person life coach was, and it, oh, I, 
I guess I would be in conjunction with talk therapy, I should say, because my therapist, I, I've said this before, before, but it bears repeating always that she was the person that not, not only helped me to understand that there was a difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. I was, I was, and it, I still consider myself an incredibly intelligent person. I did not know that. I, I did not even realize that my brain was trapping myself into thinking that everything about your life is the way that you have to be. You can't go back on the belief systems that you were taught by your parents, teachers, pastors, and caregivers. You can't be a hippie because you weren't raised to be a hippie. You can't uh, have a certain aesthetic because it doesn't fit in with everything that you were taught about yourself growing up. Those were all things that I didn't even know I could change. I really didn't know that. I thought that it was just like being in a mental space of absolute depression all the time, feeling stuck. So when I first started to understand growth mindset versus fixed mindset, that was a game changer. Okay. But then to take it one step further was to understand that there was somebody running the show in my brain. Okay. I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see that I'm tapping my brain. That was, that was even a larger game changer for me than the fixed mindset idea, because it was a revelation to know that there was a voice there. Like, I think most of us understand that we talk to ourselves, but the person who was talking to me, the person who was directing my life, it was my voice. And so I think innately we consider it trusting or that it knows better, but she was so critical. Like my, my therapist literally gave me the challenge to be aware of the voice that was speaking to me and really listen to her. She's like, try it for a weekend, try it for a weekend. And I remember so vividly, I was in the car with husband. I think my kids were in the car too. And I can remember disassociating. So I'm like looking out the window, right? So I'm not looking at whatever's at the window because my eyes are glazed over and I'm really paying attention to whatever's going on in my head. And I can hear her. Like I can, I'm telling myself, holy Mary mother, I had never observed the things that this voice said to me, the tone that she spoke to me. It was so critical. It was always consistently, who do you think you are? You can't do this. You're not doing enough. You could do better. That person thinks you're stupid. You are stupid. I can't believe you did that. Constantly. It was very rarely any form of support whatsoever. So that was literally the second tool that changed my life was to like, oh my gosh, girlfriend, we are supposed to be a team here. Okay. You are unbelievably critical of me and I need you to be supportive. So understanding the voice. Now, it's really important for you to know that today, so it's been at least five years now that I have been working with the voice inside my head and the awareness that she was there. It's been at least five years and that voice is still, she still errs on the side of criticism. And, um, the reason I think that this is an important conversation to bring up is because one, that's my programming, right? During my most formidable years, when I was from birth to about 12 or 13, the voice was programmed by outside influences. I always say this, your parents, teachers, pastors, caregivers, anybody of influence of you. And um, I would also bear for you to, I would, I would ask for you to reflect a little bit about some of the most poignant parts of your life. Because there were times when total strangers, total strangers said things to me that 100% became the voice inside my head. Very short story. I think I would, I have, would have had been six, sixish grade, sixish grade. So fifth or sixth grade, which means about 12. Okay. Let's just say 12. I've told the story before in better detail, um, but my friend and I were walking through the back of houses to go someplace one time, and it wasn't backyards. It was back of houses, like there was a kind of like a creek, right? But when we came out of the creek, it ended up that we were in somebody's backyard to get to where we were going. And there was not a fence per se, but like a wooden fence, like it's hard, like two different types, two logs kind of fence, like where you just like would climb over it. And as we were climbing over it, a voice from the window of the house, you couldn't see it, but the voice said something to the effect of like, you really shouldn't be climbing over people's fences to two 12, 13 year old girls. Okay. So we didn't really say anything. Um, okay, sorry. Kind of thing, you know, and very specifically to me and by the looks of it, you really shouldn't be climbing over the size of the, that you really shouldn't be climbing a fence with the size that you are directed at me. Okay. So that one stranger, faceless stranger, mind you at that age influenced how I thought about myself. It was not the only time that ever happened to me. And it was not the last time, unfortunately that happened to me, but obviously from that I'm 37 now and I can still very, I can picture the house. I can picture the backyard. I can picture the fence that became an influence to the type of voice that was inside my head. So that is a game changer when we really start to recognize and understand her, okay? Whatever your 
voice identifies as, of course. Okay. So, um, I digress, right? We are kind of coming back into this understanding. Like why I said, when I got lost in the spiritual development, it became kind of a crutch because if I could turn to an outside anything, whether it was like focusing on the energy that is above earth or focusing on the universe and the unconditional love that that thing has for us, that was still looking to something outside of me to solve my problems about my worth, about my value, even about like who it was that I was supposed to be because I thought that I could get the answers from universe or from higher source, from your spirit guides, even from self, uh, as operating in my celestial family. Right. And it's not to say that you can't get those things, get signs, clarity, get exact words, whatever that is potentially possible for some people. Do I believe that that happens to me now? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that my archangels or my guides like sit down, write a note and pass it over to me. And I find it like, you know, in my desk somewhere, I do believe in synchronicities. I do believe in that everything happens for a reason. I believe that, you know, like when things seem like too good to be true and how could that happen? That's a sign from the universe. I believe that's what your guides do. They don't have the ability to directly influence you per se. Uh, and the rule of thumb is because there's free will and you came to this, this game, this earth to play the game. So you're not allowed per se to have people step in and fix things for you because this is your lesson to learn. That is why you wanted to play the game. They can give you guidance and they can give you breaks, but you got to be looking for them and you got to believe in them for it to actually be a thing, right? So all that is just a little side note, right? But yes, the thing outside of you will not fix you, okay? And that is, like I said, what I was looking for because ultimately I was still in a headspace that I needed somebody to fix me because I thought there's something wrong with me. I know we use this term heal um, very loosely when we're talking about like becoming a better person and you're never going to get away from that. People are going to use that phrase all the time. But when you talk about needing to heal yourself, it's really important that you understand that the spell you put yourself under, When you talk about needing to heal, you're referencing that you think you're broken. And I know that some of us have past traumas and triggers where we probably have felt broken at some time, but you're still here. You're still surviving. You're still a human being. So you are not broken. You might have bends and creases and whatever you want to use as a descriptive term to what has happened to you in your lifestyle, but you are not broken. You are just bent and you're just learning how to straighten that out by understanding your belief system and being encouraging of yourself and all of those really beautiful things. Okay. So when I was using my spirituality as a crutch, that if I could tap into my higher self, if I could receive these signs from the universe, if I could even talk directly to my spirit guide, they would tell me what to do. They would tell me how to become better in this life. They would tell me the next steps and actions that I needed to take. Uh, and friends, That's not what happens, okay? And that is not why you came here to play the game. Your therapist and your life coach and even your partner, these are people who are meant to support you and are meant to help you be guided in finding your tools or even to obtain those tools. But they are not here to take care of you. They're not here to fix your problems. They are just here to be in support of those things. And that's such an important and crucial thing that I'm still working on today. Still working on today. Because when I talk about that voice being so critical, even at year 37, even when I know better, it is just because it's a have it. It is because for 12 years of my life, it was on repetition. It was the thing I heard the most. And so even though I've been in a headspace for five years about how to talk to myself better, that does not undo the years of programming. So year zero to 12, and then the years of practice from years 12 to years 32, that I was using that habit, that critical voice, the the pulling of my history and my past of what other people had said to me. So quite literally had been used for 32 years. It is inevitable that it's going to take me more time to reprogram my mind. Now I'm in a place where I can catch it and I can hear her talking very critical of me, but I can't necessarily reverse it. I also don't always have the verbiage that's better than what she's feeding me to redirect. So give yourself so much grace as you're coming to this realization, this understanding that it takes so much time. And that's the part where we give up, right? Because a habit takes 21 days, a lifestyle takes 90 days to form, but it's so much easier to go back to what we know instead of trying to learn a new skill set. I am so guilty of this as well. And I I guarantee that you are too, otherwise you would not be resonating with this podcast. But that is the end goal, friends, is it is just to develop more stamina to get to the better feeling pattern for yourself, the habit, so that you can get to being more successful or more joyous or more flowy or whatever it is that your goal is. So 
when we talk about manifestation and talk about being able to manifest through sex and orgasm, yes, I don't even know if we're going to get there. We have like 15 minutes left, but that might be a, be a conversation for another day. We'll see. But when we talk about manifestation in the woo-woo side of things, right, you have to understand that it's really just language and verbiage that we're talking about. Uh, I like to refer to this when we, we don't give consideration enough to the words that we're using. There's a reason why we call it spelling. Okay. Spelling is a spell. So if you don't directly believe in witchcraft and potions and chants, and I disagree with you, but you don't have to believe in those things. But what I would beg of you to think about is that if a belief is just a thought we think all the time, which is true, that is true, right? You're not born with a belief system. You aren't inherently a baby and you have an opinion about pro-life or pro-choice. You're not a baby and you have a cho- you have a decision about being um, left or right. You don't have those things. You are indoctrinated into those things with the best intentions by your community for the most part, but it's not always good. If you have discord about who you think you are, that means at some point in your, your, your belief system, somebody kinked the hose. Somebody fed you something you did not believe to be true, and now you have discord. That is why you have misalignment. That is why you don't feel fantastic about yourself is because the thing inside of you is disagreeing with the thing you were taught on the outside. That is discord, okay? So it's a whole thing, of course, to be trying to figure this out about who you are, who you want to be, and does it align with who I have been operating from? And most often, no, that's why people come to me. People align with me because they are starting to dissect that in their real world. So when we talk about spelling, you don't have to believe it on a woo-woo level that I am having a voodoo doll over here and I'm creating a spell. Spelling. If you're using the same words over and over and over and over and over again, which you are, you're limited to your vocabulary if you only speak one language, first and foremost. I do too, so I'm not like catching any crap to you about that. What I'm saying is that spelling is that. We put spells over ourselves because if we're using the same words all the time, we are creating a belief system. Whether we are regurgitating what we were told by our mom telling us that we're perfection or our mom telling us we're not good enough. Both of those things are detrimental, by the way, because you can't be perfect. So that's just setting up for disaster in another, another sense and form, right? So if we're using these words, we are creating spells that we ourselves are in. We are in our own spells. So... Thoughts become things because they do. If you think a thought all the time and it becomes your belief system, I think I'm smell, I smell, I think I'm well, I think I'm healthy, I think I'm um, whatever. All these words you can go to associate being well, okay? That becomes your belief, right? If you sit around and you think even on the autopilot brain, right? Even if you're not consciously aware of the voice inside your head, if that thing is always telling you, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You're fat. You're ugly. You're whatever. You're whatever. That will become your belief system. You will think those things about yourself. So we have to be very, very cautious and aware about the internal dialogue that we're using and the external words that we use because it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. I hate it when people tell my daughter to be careful. I hate it. I don't even like it when her brothers or her dad tell her to be careful. Is it necessary? Sure. But could we maybe say things like pay attention because it's so important, especially for young girls, girls, especially are coached to be careful. Oh, don't do that thing. Oh, it's too dangerous. And then what does it, it fosters an environment for women, especially, but all human beings to be fearful, to be fearful. Watch out for that thing. Watch out for that thing. Watch out for that opportunity. Watch out for that person. How about we choose words like, oh, pay attention. Because if she's doing something dangerous, but I'm asking her to pay attention, she's going to pay attention to where her little feet are or where her little hands are to make sure that she is safe, but still able to do the thing. If I say, whoa, 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 be careful, be careful. It's going to scare her to not doing the thing again. This is true of lots of words and phrases that we've been using. So it's so important that you understand that, right? So just switching it around. So another example, right? I don't want to be alone is completely different than I want to be in a relationship with somebody who complements my worth, right? We are all out here operating from fear. So even if I say I want a partner, I want a partner, I want a partner, what is the underlying emotion that's driving that statement is it I don't want to be alone so I want a partner or is it I want to be in a fulfilling relationship so I want a partner do you see the difference in the energy between those two okay so we have to pay attention to the words that we use because that is why I say spelling is a thing spelling is spells okay the words that we use the words that we say even 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 if we've been using them for so long that we don't actually think about the literal translation that it means to us 
our subconscious does. And our subconscious runs everything. And the subconscious becomes the voice inside your head. The consciousness is me right now. The consciousness is me choosing to fix my hair because it is making me feel a certain way. But the consciousness is me like, oh, that's, that's it. That's the outside that I'm choosing. I'm choosing to say, I'm choosing to act. That's consciousness. But the subconscious drivers are what really run the show. Okay. So when you talk about manifestation, thoughts become things. Mike Dooley, if you've never found this guy, I highly recommend him. He's so much fun. He's so energetic. He just, he brings such a really great spin to understanding about how to get clear on what it is that you're saying and asking for from the universe and how thoughts become things because it has to be true right? If you think about up in the ether before a thought is inside your brain, wherever you you consider thoughts to exist, I think that they all, they all reside in the ether. There's no such thing as an original thought. We've all thought it before. Copyright laws are fucking stupid because nobody really has an original thought. Okay. Another conversation, another podcast for another day. Okay. But when it's out in the ether, when your thoughts are out in the ether and then they become a thought inside your head. Okay. Even if they're just hanging out in here, once a thought becomes a thought, it means it's now possible. That's one of my favorite realizations ever. Is that not true? That once we realized or thought about the fact that we could have indoor lighting, we learned to harness electricity and create a light bulb. We did not, but Thomas Edison did. Once we thought that there had to be a more efficient way to um, cooling your home, right? We created air conditioning. So you could go on with this on, on anything. Anything we've ever created had to be a thought first. And then thoughts become things. Thoughts become things more apparently when we take that thought and vocalize it, right? Because the energy inside your head, anytime you have a thought, if you didn't get this or know this, it's literally a frequency. It has to be registering on a frequency of some sort, whether it's like, you know, like you think about your voice, you think about bird song, you think about like that, that noise, that, that will register as a frequency of vibration. So thoughts inside your head still register as a thought and vibration, right? So as soon as this thing, you can formulate it enough to actually like excise it from your mouth as an idea, it now has more frequency, which means it has more power, right? The thought has now become a thing. The thought has now become possible, all right? It not, might not be the actual thing you're thinking about. It might not be manifesting into your dream job or your dream home or your dream partner, but you're now one step closer, Okay, that's what manifestation is. Manifestation is this frequency. Okay, it's a frequency. And uh, we're going to have to go to a part two because there's just no way that we're going to end up being able to talk about orgasm and being able to manifest in seven minutes. And that's where we are. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this podcast and I'm going to go ahead and immediately start filming number two because I don't want to get lost on where we are. Um, all that kind of jazz. We're going to continue this conversation about manifestation and how you can actually, in my opinion, harness that energy through orgasm to, to make thoughts become things. Okay. So I'm Rachel Vote. If you don't happen to tune into the next podcast, I'm so sorry. I'll miss you. Uh, but it'll be up as soon as I, I can get it up. And ooh, that's, that sounded like my other daytime job, okay? Uh, but make sure to follow me on all social media platforms. If you'd like this free content, make sure to reach out to me if you are ready to do the empowerment class or you want to do one-to-one -one sessions. And I'll go ahead and wrap this up so we can get to the next one. Thank you so much for listening. I love you very much. I know you know that, but it's always important for me to tell you from the bottom of my heart is because of you that I sit here and do what I love. So thank you for being here. Stay happy, stay healthy. And I'm going to come up with a new phrase eventually, but we're still going to say, wash your hands. Bye.